Stone shop owner, you feeling alone in the struggle of leading your company despite the regional workshops and Facebook groups that you're participating in? You ever feel like you have no safe place to unload and process the stress of running your stone shop despite being surrounded by employees and family? Well, so I truly understand, and I can tell you from firsthand experience that if that continues, your isolation will only grow and the risk to your health and the health of your company only increases. And that's why I offer 90-minute complimentary coaching sessions to stone shop owners like you. I found that one-on-one coaching creates an environment where massive shifts in perspective and major insights into your business can transform your experience as an owner. So visit the show notes below, click on the link to one-on-one coaching, and just tell me a little bit about your business. I will get back to you, and we will schedule a 90-minute complimentary, no-strings-attached coaching experience. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey there, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners from across the Fruited Plain, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, too. I'm Aaron Crowley, host of the Fab Lab Podcast. So glad to be tuning in with you on episode 140, Remind, Insist, Demand. Now, this is uh, a continuation of the last episode where I talked about trusting your people and trusting the process. Now, the reality is (laughs) it's easier said than done. It's easier to spend 20 minutes talking about the benefit of trusting people and trusting the process, you know, than it is to implement. The the reality is, is when the rubber meets the road, actually getting traction uh, is a challenge. It is not easy. It's not a simple one and done, throw the process at somebody, and then uh, come back six months later to flawless execution. It just never seems to work out that way. At least that's been my experience. And so I wanted to follow up on that concept, the trust your people, trust the process, with just some some advice uh, born out of a couple of decades of experience of implementing the process, of really honing the skill of delegation over the years. Uh, it was a work in progress, a lot, of, a lot of trial and error in terms of attempting to apply the principle and the concept and the method in a real world stone shop setting where people are still expected to get their job done and uh, the demands of the schedule and just the reality of, of running a stone company is at work. The idealism tends to fade away to reality and so these are some realistic techniques that are very simple but I think they're important to understand if you endeavor to learn and develop the skill of delegation so that your company can scale so that you can get some time away. So we're going to talk about three aspects of the really the implementation. What, what does it mean to actually hand somebody a written document that expresses your expectations, expresses the standards that you want met, the result that you want achieved, and the order with which you want that work to be performed so that the customer you know essentially gets the product that they were promised, and so that you as the owner or the manager get the likelihood or the much higher likelihood that the work that you're delegating does get done correctly and on time. Reminding, insisting, and demanding. It's kind of a progression. And so before we get into that, I want to just kind of recap sort of uh, the, the, the process in general really briefly and then talk about a couple of risks that a lot of managers, a lot of owners are, are at, at risk of falling into as they begin to implement the process and attempt to develop the skill and put this delegation concept to work in the business. So really quickly, in a nutshell, delegation, if you read my book, Less Chaos, More Cash, it's, it's a process. It's a method. It's three steps. 
assign the position, define the result, design the operation. We begin with the understanding that if we want critical tasks done correctly and on time, we have to make it clear who is responsible for performing those tasks. If you're going to take a task that you're currently performing, stone shop owner, and delegate it, you've got to delegate it to a specific position within the company. So that's where we begin. What position makes sense in the business to assume this new task that you're delegating so that you can scale the business and have some free time? So you assign the position. Number two, you define the result. What is it exactly that you need done? How are you going to measure the successful execution of this task, the performance of this task? Well, you need to have that result clear in your own mind. It may be clear intuitively. You may just instinctively know how to perform that task to the highest level uh, possible or necessary. But sometimes it's uh, it's necessary to think through a very precise definition of what the completion of that task is. We need to define the result that we want, and that typically is accompanied by standards, timing standards and tolerance standards. If you have an expectation and a result, you're going to need to be real, real clear what the exact expectations are in a measurable sense. So number one, you can communicate them effectively. Number two, so the person that's assuming this task knows what the bar is, clearly, where there's no um, you know, confusion there's no opportunity for interpretation or you know previous experience to play a role in that. That task needs to be performed to your expectations, not anybody else's. And you got to communicate that with standards, timing, and tolerance. Lastly, you need to design the operation. You need to provide, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, depending upon the complexity of the task, you've got to provide the steps. Step one, what is the first thing you need to do when performing this task? What's the second thing? What's the third thing? Because order matters. And the document that I talk about in my book is called the order of operations. It's just a way of simply laying out the steps necessary to perform the task and achieve the result that you want. And so in a nutshell, that's delegation. Those three aspects need to be present. So you hand off the document, you develop the process, you, you read the book, you listen to the podcast, you go through there, you set out your expectations, you hand off that document to the position or the employee in your company that's going to now perform that task in this very idealistic, high expectation is going to be great. I can give them this expectation to perform this task and I never have to deal with it again. <laughs> the only problem with that is that reality will press in and six weeks later you'll be like why isn't this result being achieved well the fact is old habits die hard and it's it, it takes more than just handing somebody a document i found this over over time it's great frustration and surprise and shock it's like i gave you the expectations I gave you the written document. It should be obvious to you what you should be doing. It's right there in black and white. It's on paper. When to do it, how to do it, what the measurement is, and why isn't it getting done? Well, we're going to talk about that. This is where the rubber meets the road in terms of this discipline, this the skill of developing the 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 the, the the management practice of, of effective delegation. And so we're going to talk about reminding, insisting, and demanding. It is a progression. Um, you can't just fly by, you know, drive by delegation where you throw a, you know, a document at somebody and hope to come back six weeks later to, to perfect execution. It's just, I guess it could happen. It's just, in my experience, hasn't been the case. A little bit more work, a little bit more effort in the implementation phase is necessary to get it to stick to where that new task is adopted, understood. 
they've got enough time to get into the rhythm of performing that to your expectations, the back and forth. So we're just going to talk through a real brief progression. And here's why I think this is important. And it's not super complicated, but there is a risk. I've seen this happen in my own experience, and I've seen it happen with other owners who have attempted to apply this. They're like, yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. I get it. I believe it. But it doesn't work. Hey, man, this thing didn't work. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, here's a couple of risks you need to understand as you set out to learn how to delegate and implement the process. Number one, it, it's, it's likely or possible that you may overreact in the, in, in the absence of perfect execution and immediate you know, competency in this new task. Your first response might be to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I guess you can't trust the process. I wrote the document, I handed it off, and I'm still not getting the result that I want. Well, if you give up that easily, you're never going to get the benefit of learning this skill. Think of any other skill you have developed. Did it come immediately? You're definitely not born with the skill of delegation. This is a learned skill. It's a learned discipline. It's a learned practice. And so in that instance where you hand it off and the result isn't what you expected, you got to understand that there may be a tendency or a temptation to just give up and throw, you know, throw things away and say, I just didn't, it didn't work. I tried it. It didn't work. That's not the case. Or you may conclude, and that, I guess that would be, you know, concru- concluding that you can't trust the process because it doesn't really work. Or you may conclude that, well, the employee had everything they needed to perform this new task. It was written. The steps were there. The result was defined. The standards were clear and they still didn't produce the result that I wanted or meet my expectations. So you may conclude, overreact, that the employee doesn't care. Even with the document, they still failed to meet my expectations. I just want to point that out. If you're tempted to give in to that kind of thinking, overreacting, concluding that you can't trust your people or you can't trust the process, you simply need to understand the reality is it takes time for people to adopt new work. It takes time for people, when you consider how busy everybody is, when you consider how busy your shop probably is right now and how many other tasks that employee is probably already responsible for, to ask them to assume and adopt and and basically take ownership of a new task is probably going to take a little bit of time before the habit is developed, the rhythm is established, the understanding and the groove is, is essentially created in their new work scenario. And so we just have to be committed. We need to commit to not overreact, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we need to commit to these three progressions, if you will, reminding, insisting, and demanding. So they're pretty straightforward. They're, they're kind of self-evident. They kind of explain themselves, but reminding. The reality is, if you're going to ask somebody to either change the way they're doing something or to do something new, they're going to need regular reminders and check-in periods with you in the days and weeks following, you know, assuming that new task. You just have to understand that, it, and depending on the complexity of the task, depending on the importance of the task, it may rise to the level that every day, let's check in. 15 minutes, how's it going? How did it go yesterday? Tell me how it went. Did you run into any problems? Any, anything not as clear as we thought it was? Daily, and then weekly. And then even monthly, if you listen to the Fab Lab podcast, you know I'm a big proponent of checklists. If you can use a checklist in this regard to where that forces the employee to evaluate the performance of this task 
and allows them to self-analyze, to self-assess their execution of that task and then check it off and turn that into you, another fantastic way. But you just need to understand, uh, they're, they're going to need reminders in the same way that um, high school students need reminders, you know, to set their alarm to get up in the morning repeatedly. It's like, <laughs> wow, it, it, you know, do we have to talk about this every day? Well, in some cases, yes, you may need to remind and remind and remind until that new habit is formed. Like I said, old habits die hard. When you've got a whole host of other responsibilities, it's just simply a practical challenge to adopt something new with flawless execution. So those reminders, and it's a spirit of understanding. You need to under you need you need to just grasp this. the the The, the idea behind reminding is understanding what the employee is up against in terms of all that they have that they're already responsible for. And there's a certain degree of latitude that they're not perfect. They want to do a good job and they can do a good job, but they're still not perfect. <laughs> and they still have a lot of other responsibilities. So we need to understand that in a, in a, in a, in a low level, not super intense way systematically, predictably, and purposely remind. Set up reminders. Hey, for the next week, let's talk about this every morning. How's it going? You know, once it begins to start kind of, you really can't stop then. I mean, there obviously would be exceptions to this in some cases. Really, 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 you know, uh, highly diligent employee may be able to adopt any new task and just flawlessly execute it after a few reminders. But most people are going to need periodic check-ins. So, okay, man, maybe we'll, we'll change the daily check-in to maybe weekly. Let's observe this. Again, let's not, let's not have unrealistic expectations about the execution. Let's set this up for success and check-in. After a couple of weeks of checking in, you should begin to see at a certain point, a, 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 you should have a realistic expectation of performance, measurable improvement in that execution, in the, the growth towards the ideal, in the consistent result, predictable result that you want to achieve that process or that task being done right and on time. Now, if after a week or so of daily checking in and a couple, two, three weeks of weekly checking in, you're still seeing an inconsistent result. It's not predictable. That task is still getting done wrong or not at all in the case would be not on the right time frame. You may need to now ratchet up the intensity a little bit. After repeated failures, you may have to make it a little bit clear. Look, um, I've been reminding, I've been patient, I, I, but I need to make it really clear. The importance of this task being performed correctly and on time rises to the level that it, 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 we can't continue to experience failure in this regard. And sometimes some employees who are really busy just need that jarring like wake-up call. Uh, I can remember a situation where uh, I worked for a gas station in high school. Oregon's one of, I think, two states in the country where you can't pump your own gas. So in high school, I got a job working at a gas station my uh, junior year in high school. And uh, I had a number of what they called overpumps. Someone would say, hey, I need five bucks. And I'd hit the F button, which was the fill button, and wind up putting, you know, back then, I don't know what gas cost, you know, filled their tank for $20 utterly unheard of right now. And uh, they'd be like, hey, I only had five bucks. Well, then I'd have to go in and fill this form out. The manager would bust my butt. You know, I'd have to uh, basically agree that I didn't listen to the customer and I filled their tank and the company. You know, the, the gas station owner had to basically pay for that fuel at their expense. After that happened like two or three times, 
the manager was like giving me the look like, hey, this, you know, you can't do this. Then I get a note, a handwritten note from the owner of the gas station. And he said, I've noticed these three forms that you filled out for overfills. And this is, I can still to this day remember what he, what the note said. There will be no more overpumps. Period. Signed whatever the owner's name was. And it was a jarring wake-up call. And I did not have another overpump until the day that I got fired for a completely other, <laughs> totally unrelated situation. But I, that was what I needed. I just didn't understand the gravity. To me, it was like, well, I mean, 15 gallons of gas. I mean, how much could that cost? I, I, I was a youngster, not paying particular attention. But boy, when I got that note, it was a wake-up call. It kind of jarred me into, hey, this is serious business. It, this isn't messing about. This is an owner's company, and um, I got to get serious about performing this task. And that's all I needed. All I needed was that wake-up call that just sort of like get me out of the fog of youth and uh, start focusing. There will be no more overpumps. So anyway, that's where we begin to insist. Look, we're taking this up a notch in terms of the intensity. Now I'm... Um, I'm starting to lose patience, perhaps, and and we want to convey that in a professional manner for sure, but we may need to ratchet up the level of seriousness so that the employee recognizes, hey, this this wasn't like an option, like you agreed to perform this task. It isn't now optional. You're not doing this out of the goodness of your heart where 80% execution is, is, is okay and someone else will pick up the other 20%. This has got to be done right and on time. I want you to know I'm serious. This has got to be done. That's our next progression. But you don't want to jump into that out of the gate the first time they fail. You don't want to, you know, go to that point. You may discourage the employee and they may they may throw the baby out with the bathwater. So even after that, we've got our third step in this progression. The demand. First we remind, we remind, we remind, we remind. We understand human beings aren't perfect. They got a lot going on in work and outside of work. It bears reminding. That's fair. When someone is assumed a new test, then we insist, we take this up a notch. I, I, I want to be clear. Maybe I wasn't clear enough. This is serious business. This is our livelihood right now. If you're not performing this task, we can't keep the promise we've made to the customer and our business suffers as a result. So let me be clear. I'm serious. If that still doesn't work, and, and again, you got to kind of measure this against the complexity of the task. What's reasonable for somebody to assume a new task if it's really complicated or the level of importance and seriousness as it relates to the schedule, as it relates to the execution of the promise being made to the customer. Then we get to demand. Then this is kind of a ultimatum stage. Now, this is kind of interesting. My daughter, I have six kids. Number five is seven years old and she is uh she, she's a spitfire. She is a handful. I mean, we thought we kind of had parenting figured out after the first four. And then we had number five. And it was like, oh, I guess we didn't know anything. <laughs> so we've been working with her. Like I said, she's seven years old. And I have this interaction with her um, more than occasionally. It's getting better, which I guess maybe lends itself to this progression. But um, I don't like um, disobedience. That doesn't work in a family. You've got a bunch of kids. You know, kids have got to do their chores. They got to do their work. They got to do their homework. You, they, they can't just put their foot down and say, you know, I'm folding my arms here. I'm not doing that. Well, okay. So we, I began to use this technique of we, just giving choices. And we read this in a book and it was a guy talking about his kid. And it was, the, we call it the Oreo cookie principle where 
their child found this like bag of open, you know, Oreo cookies on the table and, and comes into the family room with like a handful of them and is proceeding to eat these. And this parent, I think they were a psychologist and that's where they wrote the book. And they basically said, no, you, you can't have a handful of cookies. And they were like, well, yes, I am. And their response was, you can either have one, which was appropriate, or you can have none. And so that's our, we, we've used that phrase. It's one or none. You choose. And we've discovered that that's actually very effective in other ways of just trying to deal with our kids and, and certain behaviors. And it's like, I'm going to give you a choice. And our daughter, our seven-year-old, number five, would say, you're threatening me. I, we'd give her two choices. And she took that as a threat. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not threatening you. I'm simply giving you two options. You don't like either of the options. You don't like the consequence and you don't like the expectation. But you get to choose which one you do. I'm not forcing you to do anything. I'm just simply communicating to you. You have to make a choice between which outcome you prefer. You're threatening me. Well, over time, we've we've found that to be unbelievably effective. Not that I'm intending here to give parenting advice. I'm the last person on the face of the earth who's qualified to give parenting advice. But I think that applies here when we when we when we come to this this part. We don't threaten like your job's on the line, but we simply give choices. Hey, look, you agreed to perform this task, or I determined that it was necessary that your position perform this task. Um, we got to talk. The continued failure to meet expectations is not tolerable. It's not possible. This cannot continue. So I've reminded you repeatedly, I have insisted communicating you know, very effectively the stakes as it relates to this task and the performance of these expectations. And you're still not, you know, you're still not meeting the bar. You're still not producing the result. You're still not performing the task correctly and on time. And I got to tell you, we're reaching a point where um, things are going to have to change. You're going to have to make a choice. Now, if you've got an A-plus employee who's doing just amazing work for you and you've added one task, you may not want to risk their employment over one task. But you need to bring this to the, the point where choices have to be made. You either have to perform this task correctly or we're going to have to make other arrangements. I may have to take this task away from you, which may have other consequences. So that, But that's the last resort. And I believe, honestly, that because you can trust people, because people want to do a good job, because people can do a good job if given all of the factors, the clear communication up front, everything they need, including the time to do this new task that you've given to them. You've reminded, reminded, reminded. By the time you get to insist, the vast, 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 vast majority of the folks that are working for you, fellow fabricator, by then it's going to stick. They're going to be like, I guess the boss is serious at the insisting stage. Okay, I just wasn't taking this serious enough. I realize that and now I'm going to take it up a notch and perform. I, the vast majority of the time, you're never going to have to get to the point at which your employee says, I think you're threatening me. No, I'm not threatening you. I'm simply giving you a choice. It's not an option that this task has to be performed correctly or on time. And so there's the progression. We implement the process. We, 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 we take this method, this concept. We go to apply it. We do the hard work up front. We assign the position, we define the result, we design the operation. Now we hand it off. Now the rubber meets the road. Now it's time to actually perform. What follows that is incremental progression 
of follow-up by you, the owner or the manager, getting that new task to stick. We remind, we remind, we remind, then we insist, and only as a last resort do we demand that they perform to those expectations, giving them choices in terms of alternatives. Uh, and you got to, it's situational. You know, I, I would not, you know, ever suggest here the way to create those, uh, those options for your employees. That's going to be up to you in that moment, in that situation. So there you go, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that helps as you continue to pursue excellence in your business, growth as a leader, as you learn to delegate and um, get more work done through others so that you've got time to scale the business, you've got time to work on the business, and equally important, you've got more time for life outside the business. So fellow fabricators, so glad that you tuned in for this episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. Make sure you're tuning in next week because there's going to be another fantastic topic, another fantastic episode coming down the pike. Until then, happy fabricating.